Welcome. I am Future Dan. The episode you are about to hear was recorded on August 23rd of the year 2020. This episode was archived and has yet to be heard by human ears. Opening archive now. It's a bonus episode! What up? It's Dan. <laughs> oh, we're in it. We're in it now, I think. Yeah, tell them who you are. <laughs> My name is Luke. Welcome to this bonus episode of Don't Call It a Book Club. Today, on Luke's request, we, we, we're going to do a little deep dive into Napoleon Dynamite. We've got to. Luke demanded that I rewatch Napoleon Dynamite this week after our somewhat controversial intro rant, I guess, from last episode. So yeah, I don't know if it's a rant, just an intro. An intro from last episode. And so, you know, I had a lot on the sketch this week, but I put that I put that aside and I uh, I paid I paid my $5 to Jeff Bezos so I could get a get a little rental action mm-hmm. we we rewatched mm-hmm. napoleon dynamite this week so i think that's what we're it, talking about it had to be it had to be done i after watching it that one time i just needed to talk about it with somebody uh and this is the this is the setting that i talk about things with people so Th- this is why you can't call it a book club because <laughs> we're doing movies now <laughs> branch it out yeah no, I... Do we start topsy-turvy on this one? I think we start topsy-turvy. I... Uh, I don't know what that means, but go for it. So when I watched this as a child, when I was a young man watching Napoleon Dynamite, I didn't really get the hype about it. Everybody was oh. very into Napoleon Dynamite. Like, Tina, you fat lard, come get some dinner. LOL. Lucky? Like, everybody was very into that. And I played along because, of course, you did, and I was trying to have have some friends. Okay, okay. First, let me let me ask you because you said when I was a young man. I when do you think that you first saw it? Like sixth grade. Okay, okay. That's when. I, yeah, I, like roughly when it came out. I was but a lad, and <laughs> I didn't really love it when I was young. I I didn't really get the hype. I enjoyed it much more in this rewatch than i did the first time like when i watched it as a young lad i i was kind of into it i don't think like it wasn't outstanding i still don't i still think it's hyped up more than it should have been but i think it is pretty good i think it is a pretty good movie uh and and so i i i definitely enjoyed it it was a good rewatch good recommend (laughs) So it hold, it holds up, uh, but it's not like the greatest thing you've ever seen. No, 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 no. And it definitely is improved by the rewatch. Like the rewatch gave me a better impression of Napoleon Dynamite for sure. Okay. Which is, it's usually, I feel like it's usually the other way around. Yeah. But, oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let me, I, let me recap what I said last time because I probably watched it. I was probably the same age as you when I watched it because we're the same age but uh 
<laughs> I, I, I remember liking it and thinking that it was really funny. And I only watched it once. And I remember being like, that was really funny. But I think that if I watch it again, it's going to be terrible. Like, I, I remember thinking of that from, like, the next day until... Sixth grade Luke had incredible impulse control. I know. I know. <laughs> I remember thinking that, like, right afterwards and up until this most recent rewatch. And then, like I said, I uh, watched it what, two weeks ago or whatever um, while not sober. And then I rewatched it last night while sober. Uh-huh. And it's phenomenal. I love it. <laughs> I think it's so good. Was the, I, was the watch actually, better sober or not sober? Was it better on the giggle grass or was it better just straight up? I think that well, here's the thing. The the first time on the on the on the giggle grass, as we're saying, uh I think was better, but I don't know how much of that is due to just like the the first rewatch mm-hmm. after so many years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I watched it last night and there were so many times that I just thought like, God, I wish I was watching this for the first time. You know what I mean? Like, like do you, th- there's some books that you wish that you were rereading for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. the case for me with, with, a, with a bunch of scenes. Yeah. Ooh, this actually could be why I might not move it up into like an excellent movie, right? Because my rewatch, some of the dialogue, I just didn't find that funny. And it could just be because it wasn't the first time I'd heard it, right? <laughs> like some of the lines from Napoleon, I think are pretty funny, but they've been like so, like they've been done so many times. It's like, okay, yeah, we get it. Like, give me some of your tots, Napoleon. Ha ha ha. So maybe maybe that is kind of hindering my enjoyment. I I I think so. I think maybe we'll maybe we'll get into it when we go through. Okay. The scenes because okay. I'm in, I'm in. I don't want to do like we're obviously not going to do like scene by scene. <laughs> no, maybe maybe like we, we do talk, like highlights. We do highlights. Okay. First, okay. the first highlight that I think we should talk about that opening scene crushed me okay wait 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 are you you mean the the like opening credits or the opening (laughs) scene the opening scene where napoleon pulls out an action figure from his binder and throws it out the bus window absolutely crushed me that is like (laughs) one of the most incredible opening scenes to a, a comedy that i think i've ever seen i know i know and it's like it wasn't even the dialogue like i didn't find the dialogue that funny when the country kid is like, what are you going to do today, Napoleon? And Napoleon's like, whatever I feel like. Gosh, that's not that funny. It's a little funny that the kid's like, what kind of crazy shit is Napoleon going to do today? Let me ask him. But the hilarious part is just when he throws the action figure out the window. Like, what was he thinking would happen? It's so good. It's so good. And here's the, th- here's the reason why it's so good. Like, what's that scene for? Okay. <laughs> The scene is there. It's not important for anything. The scene is there for just some immediate character character development right here. Or not development, but like character defining. It introduces Napoleon like, to everybody. It's like this is this dude is weird as hell. 
I don't know what he's doing. He's got really strange interests. And he doesn't care what other people think. Because here's the thing. To the like, point of being he, rude. I'll, to the point of being rude. Right? He never apologizes for anything the whole movie. He never says thank you, really, at all. And this kid's just trying to see what he's up to. And he's like, whatever I feel like, you idiot. I love that. Here's the, here's the key part. I'm going to zoom in on this. Yeah, let's get in there. <laughs> he does this little thing where he gets it ready. And then he he opens the window and he looks around and it's it's not he doesn't look around to see if other people are looking because he doesn't care what the other <laughs> students think. He looks around to see if the bus driver sees him. <laughs> this, do it. this is exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's I don't know what that means, but I think it's great. I also love this was not a spontaneous thing that he did. Like he's not showing off for this kid who asked him what he's going to do today. He's not trying to put on a show for the other kids on the bus who are like paying attention to him. He sat at home the night before getting on that bus and tied a piece of fishing line to an action hero and then rolled it up into a nice little bundle and put it in his binder with the thought maybe like, I wonder what will happen when I throw this out the window. Or like, I wonder if this thing will fly behind the bus when I throw it when I throw it out the window. And so he planned it out. And it's just like so obvious what's gonna happen. Like, of course, <laughs> of course it's just gonna be like kicking along behind the bus. <laughs> I don't, I can't tell what he's going for. Like, is he experimenting to see if it flies? Is he trying to see if it like will be damaged? Or, if he, or is he just like role playing in some way? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I also love how he plays it so cool. He throws it out the window and immediately looks forward. Like he doesn't look back right away. He looks forward so it doesn't look like he just threw something out the window to the bus driver. And then he does a quick little behind the bus look to see what's going on. And then proceeds to just turn and look forward again. <laughs> so good. And then, and then it's just it's not. And then the scenes over. <laughs> You did. And it doesn't come back. <laughs> the be- <laughs> One of the best things about this is the scene cuts, right? Because <laughs> it's just like a disjointed scene that doesn't really do anything, no. right? Like it's just like kind of a funny thing. I don't know what it is. And then it just stops and that one's done. And then we're on to the next and one. And we never hear about it which again. I- <laughs> which I think and this is this is the same as what I was saying for the first for the first scene. All of the scenes are just a series of character-defining scenes. It's not a story. I mean, there's like a degree to a story there, but it's just it's just a character-defining movie where it's like, this is what this weird-as-hell kid does. Uh, l- get, to, get to know this guy. He's phenomenal. Uh, get to know his brother. He's also phenomenal. That's all it is, and I love it, and I love how just like efficient it is with that. Yes. Like it doesn't pretend to be something else. It just it just cuts the scene when it's done and doesn't try to tie it in. Yeah, give me another one. Give me another one of your highlights. Ooh, okay, another highlight. Um, ooh, I've got a couple like a couple quick ones. Oh, you can, I have I have a couple too. Let's do those. And then I and then I have a later character defining one for Kip okay. that I love. Okay, yeah. Okay, quick one. Uh, Napoleon slapping Kip. <laughs> Incredible. 
It's very good. A little, a little slap there. Uh, I love that Kip volunteers to do the Rex Quando thing. He goes to this class, and the big dude asks for a volunteer, and Kip just immediately. Like, I don't know why that's so funny to me. There's going to be a lot of things in this episode that you're going to be like, why does Luke think that that's so funny? <laughs> and I, I, I don't have a good answer for you, but that's one of them. I also love it. Before we get there, this is an incredibly small note. And I didn't really like belly laugh, but I definitely chuckled just out of recognition because I played a lot of tetherball growing up. And when Napoleon, that first scene Napoleon is playing tetherball, he hits it in like the sweet spot where the tetherball starts to go around really quick around the pole. And I remember when I was a kid playing tetherball, that was the greatest shit. Like that was the best moment. That was my best sporting moment when I was in sixth grade was when you hit the tetherball just right and you just kept hitting it and it went faster and faster around the pole. And Napoleon hits it like that and you just hear a little like, yes, when he does it. And I was like (laughs) there with him. I was like, yes, Napoleon. Incredible. It was so satisfying. He does a little little quiet yes every time, every hit. I love it. It was incredibly satisfying. I loved it. I loved that little moment. (laughs) I did too. Um... Okay, are you ready for my character-defining moment for Kip? Yeah. And here's... here's they go to this Rex Kwando thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Kip's, like, trying to be a cage fighter, apparently. <laughs> he sees this commercial, writes down the address, gets Napoleon to drag him there, and then they go to it, see the demo, and the guy's like, it's $300 for an eight-week program. And Kip doesn't do it. (laughs) And like, here's the thing. I think a lesser movie, a lesser movie has Kip doing this and just makes a bunch of jokes about Kip getting beaten up by this guy. Uh And makes a bunch of, um, a bunch of uh, uh, like physical comedy things about Kip fighting. Yes. A lesser movie does that. (laughs) But Kip here just recognizes that's not a good deal for him and goes home. The amount of work that they put into developing this potential story arc of like, you know, the potential story arc of Kip taking Rex Kwando, maybe trying to actually be a cage fighter, taking an eight week course. He could still be bad at it at the end to make it funny, right? They develop this a little bit and then they just cut it off. They just like sever it entirely when they're, he says $300 for an eight week course and Kip is just going back home and he's like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> she says that's a ripoff. It's incredible. It's incredible for how much they're willing to just throw away for this story. <laughs> it's so good. Can I tell you my character defining moment for Kip and another one of my highlights of this entire movie was when mm-hmm. Kip <laughs> Kip and Uncle Rico are going around selling Tupperware and Uncle Rico is doing the thing with the boat And he's like really being a pretty good salesman. You know, he has the guy try and rip it and shows how tough it is. And then we cut to Kip and you just see him put one of the Tupperware underneath the wheel of the van. And then he gets in the van and backs up onto the Tupperware. It immediately explodes because of course it's going to immediately explode. And it shows a shot of the woman who he was obviously trying to sell this Tupperware to, just deadpan staring at the camera. Kip says, dang it, and drives away. And that's it. 
That's all it is. And for me, it was an incredible moment. Like that to me defines like what Kip's all about of just like mm-hmm. promising a whole lot and then not even pretending to deliver on it and then just leaving. <laughs> that scene, that that is one of my top t- three scenes of the entire movie. Ooh, okay. Number one is for sure the the opening scene. Incredible opening, opening scene. <laughs> That's number one, okay. That's my number one. My number two, I'm sure we'll talk about later, but it's the Napoleon dancing scene. Uh, mm-hmm. And number three is the Kip dang it. It's just so... It's iconic for me. It's so good. Okay. I think that that's fair. I think that's fair. Let me give you... I'm going to give you one highlight, and then I'm going to give you my favorite. Another like, th- I feel like the theme of this is going to be me and you appreciating really small details that are, like, for some reason, our favorite parts. Okay? So I'm going to give you a little highlight, and then I'm going to give you my favorite moment. A little highlight... Napoleon is in this little like sign language performance that dance the happy hands thing yeah 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 the happy hands thing which inherently is like kind of funny like Mm -hmm. why would he be in this but he like is a little bit behind (laughs) he knows the moves and he's doing them well and he's kind of into it he seems into it he's just a little bit behind the others and it's it's just mm. (laughs) I think it's great Okay, now my favorite moment of the whole movie. The dancing scene's great. We'll talk about it later. we'll talk about it later. But my favorite moment, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, he asks Trish out, right? She says yes, and he's getting a ride to go pick her up. Uh Uncle Rico's taking too long, right? Yeah. And it's like 15 minutes until he gets to pick her up. He goes and knocks on the door. No one answers. <laughs> He's in his suit. And he walks out, looks at his watch, looks to the road that is so long. Just like nothing in sight. <laughs> just takes off running. That's my top moment of all time. I cried laughing at that one. I get that it's not the funniest moment to anyone else. I accept that. <laughs> It's a very good moment, though, and actually you explaining it kind of makes me appreciate it a lot more because I didn't really appreciate how absurd it is that he decides to run. To me, it was kind of like, of course he's going to run. Like, you know, he's not going to walk. He's running out of time. He's got to go. And so, of course, he's going to run. But how it is so absurd that he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about it? Yeah, I could get there in a reasonable time if I run along this road where there is no one. No, I'm not going to hitch <laughs> a ride. The odds of me hitching a ride are like 1% out here. Oh. The, the, and here's the thing. You can tell. Okay. I, I also think that this is a little bit of character building. Again, all the scenes are. But this, we already know it. But he like, you know, he pretends that this dance and like, having friends or a girlfriend is he pretends that it's not important but we all know that it is a little bit important to him and so he gets this girl to say yes and he's gonna mess it up by being late and he you can just tell that he like panics like it doesn't show it but he's gonna go he just what's he gonna do when he gets there you know what i mean right he's, he's just gonna he's run gonna to her house her and be like i'm here 
So he, in his mind, he's, he panics. He just knows that he has to be there by six and doesn't think about anything else and just runs. I just think it's, I think it's A, very funny, and B, shows how, like, actually important this actually is to him. It's very good. And I think it's also a sign that it's not a lesser movie because a lesser comedy would have had him try and steal Uncle Rico's car and, like, crash it along the way and get in some hijinks there. No, Mm -hmm. we're not going to, that's an easy laugh. We're not doing the easy laugh that we could kind of develop and spend a lot of minutes on. We're going to do the 10 second laugh. This is a laugh we can only spend 10 seconds to get, but it's going to be so worth it. Those 10 seconds are glorious. <laughs> it's it's outstanding. It's outstanding. Okay, it is outstanding. I want to I do want to talk about the the dance, the outstanding dancing scene at the end that that kind of bookends this movie but before that i want to talk about a few of the of the theories that i read about online about this movie a little Mm. bit it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a dcbc without a few theories right okay i wasn't aware that there were like theories yeah yeah yeah. so actually there's a ton of theory material out there about uh what happened in napoleon's mom and dad okay right because he lives with his grandma his uncle comes over, his aunt is where his grandma goes, but like where are Napoleon and Kip's mom and dad in this situation? And like the common consensus is that Tina is Napoleon's mom, Tina the llama. And so that's pretty well established at this point in the like, you know, in the canon of the theories about Napoleon Dynamite. Okay. Have, have you not heard this this theory before, Luke? Because I'll, I'll I have, do the groundwork I, if you want. I, I want to hear, I want to hear more. Okay, about that because I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm there. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, the most important signal that Tina is Napoleon's mom is like the food that they choose to give this llama, uh, mm-hmm. because clearly the llama has a lot of grass to eat when Napoleon goes out to bring it. Uh, presumably a full plate of leftovers that Napoleon's grandma made um, because it's like eating grass. So clearly the llama can eat grass, but the family feels an obligation to give it people food, right? And so that is an obvious signal that this llama is not just a llama. Like this this llama deserves a little bit more respect and and kind of dignity than just eating grass off the ground okay which is why you know that's why napoleon goes out to give it like stuff from the fridge that his grandma says that's why later on he comes out with like a ham that he's gonna offer Mm -hmm. for tina the llama llamas don't eat ham everybody knows that but still napoleon goes out to give the llama ham right they have this like they feel like a debt to the llama and so clearly like it's pretty easy to connect the dots of like it's got to be Napoleon's mom. Why else is nobody talking about <laughs> what happened to Napoleon? Napoleon's mom, right? And right, so it's, it's a pretty easy jump. From it's a pretty from easy the- jump, and it leads us to three. Well, I mean, of course, to like I'm not going to get too deep into it, but that's also why Napoleon's obsession. Napoleon has his obsession with unicorns and centaurs and ligers. Is this idea that like people transforming into animals? It's if you read the subtext of the movie, it's pretty clear that Tina is Napoleon's mom. But where the theories differ 
are how Napoleon's mom became a llama. So that's where there's some controversy. And there's three main schools of camp for this theory. <laughs> okay, have you not? Yeah, I, on, I, it on. sounds like you haven't heard these these theories before. I, I'm new to this. Okay. Uh, but I, I feel good about it. Okay, I'll try and slow it down to like really make it clear. Uh, the first one has to do with the, the Uncle Rico, Uncle slash Dad Rico, where Ooh. Uncle Rico is actually Napoleon and Kip's dad, who is also a powerful yet very horny wizard. And so the idea is that Uncle Rico was trying to transform his wife into a hotter version of herself. But instead, okay. the spell kind of backfired. And what he, when he thought he was going to get a hot wife with longer lashes, he ended up getting a llama. And so because of this, he fled town because everybody was kind of pissed at him for turning his wife into a llama. Um, and he kind of went into exile where he then developed this new persona of Uncle Rico. And the story of Napoleon Dynamite is him trying to figure out how to turn his wife back into a human. And so that's why he comes back and, and is kind of dealing with the magical elements and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so that's one option. I don't really buy that theory. Um, and I'll, I'll, save, I'll save the theory that I believe is true for the end. But okay, there's... There's another theory that has Napoleon's dad and the town of Preston, Idaho, where the story takes place, in combat with an ancient nine-tailed demon uh, that was threatening to destroy the town. And in order to stop this threat, Napoleon's mom sacrificed herself by casting a powerful spell to banish the demon at the expense of her turning into a llama for 700 years before the spell would wear off and she could become human once again. And, you know, the, the town is sworn to secrecy because of this powerful magic, but the older generation remembers the sacrifice of the dynamite family. It's why, you know, it's, it's partly why they allow the dynamite family to have this name, right? They don't really make fun of him for his last name being dynamite. It's more of like an honorific. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of scenes in this movie of the older generation really standing up for Napoleon, which to me speaks of, like, they respect the dynamite name, right? So, for example, uh, Napoleon wants to go out with Trisha, and Trisha's like, heck no, but Trisha's mom is like, you don't remember the sacrifices of the dynamite family, you're going to go to the dance with that boy, and you're going to like it. And sure... A surface level viewing of the movie would lead you to believe that Trisha's mom felt bad for Napoleon, and that's why she told Trisha she mm -hmm. had to go to the dance with him. But why? Why would she sit there and make Trisha call him on the phone and be like, oh, yeah, definitely go to the dance? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't add up. Right. Right, right, right. So that's the, the Nine Tails Demon theory. The other little bit of evidence for that one that I think is fairly compelling is the fact that Napoleon is going through a thrift store in the town and he finds a sigh, which if you don't know what a sigh is, if you think of the Ninja Turtles and you think of the red Ninja Turtle, Raphael, 
His weapons of choice are Psy. So it's the little pointy guy. Why would a thrift store in Preston, Idaho have a weapon like this unless it was mm-hmm. used in a great war against okay. a nine-tailed demon? So this is just like a relic of the past. This is a remnant that Napoleon has found in this thrift store. Um, but it's not needed anymore, right? Those warriors have put right. up their weapons. Right. I can, yeah, I can, I can see that. So the last theory, and the last theory, which I think has the, is the most compelling, requires a little bit more research into Idaho, into Preston, Idaho, into this town where Napoleon Dynamite takes place and understanding kind of the lore of the surrounding area. And so close to Preston, Idaho, about 50 miles away, there's a lake called Bear Lake. In Bear Lake, there is reportedly a monster of serpent-like qualities that snatches people off of the lakeshore with its very long neck. Again, this lake is less than 50 miles away from the town center of Preston, Idaho. Okay? And this would have been something that the people of Preston, Idaho would have known about. And so what happened to Napoleon's parents is they drew the short straw among the town, which then performed a dark ritual in order to summon the Bear Lake monster in order to, what we can only assume uh, is to damage the reputation of a competing town. And so the problem is the ritual failed and they were not able to successfully summon the Bear Lake monster. And so they had to keep that dark ritual a secret but they still perform it. They still perform it occasionally. So obviously the consequences of the dark ritual are Napoleon Dynamite's mom turned into a llama. Of course, this is standard dark ritual stuff. And Napoleon Dynamite's dad, we're not quite sure what happened to him. Maybe it was a, you know, kind of a ritual murder. Maybe he was attempted to be fed to the lake monster. We're not quite sure. But this town clearly has some dark secret to hide. And there's two, there's two big points in the story that, that really indicate this. The first is that they're pretty wary of outsiders. So, like, Pedro shows up, and everybody's kind of on edge about it. Like, Napoleon goes to pick up Trisha in this sweet ride. Completely incredible automobile. And Trisha's dad is like, what is that car on my driveway? Hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting that he has such a strong reaction to a sweet ride like that i can think of no other reasons for him to be uh additionally to be a little income right right of course there's no other reasons of course aside from the dark ritual the other the other example with people being a little bit wary of pedro is the principal of the school is like kind of cold to pedro and like it seems like he's trying to get him out of there Mm -hmm. and so you know they're not really open to outsiders in this town they're not really they're pretty wary they're pretty they're they're trying to hide something it seems the other thing that really tips a lot of people off to this theory and i think will come around when you hear it has to do with that scene when napoleon knocks on the door to get uncle rico out so that he can go to the dance this house is not very big right 
Napoleon, mm-hmm. or Uncle Rico is presumably in the house to sell Tupperware. So if I am the owner of a house and I hear a knock at my door and somebody's just here selling me Tupperware, I'm going to go answer the door. Like, I'm not, why would I not answer that door? That's crazy. That's crazy. So there had to be another reason why they didn't answer the door. And the reason is they were in the basement of the house performing some preliminaries for this dark ritual, and they could not hear the knock at the door of Napoleon. And there's an ominous character to this house, too. If you rewatch the scene and you know that this dark ritual is happening in the basement, it's pretty ominous when Napoleon goes up to the door and you hear this echo ring out and nobody answers and it's in the middle of nowhere. It's pretty ominous. That's true. So those are those are the kind of the three prevailing theories about what has happened to transform Napoleon's mom into Tina the llama and presumably what what happened to Napoleon's dad in the meantime. Um, do you know which one of those kind of strikes you? Because everybody, you know, nobody's necessarily wrong with which of those three they they think is right. Um, there's evidence to support all three. And, you know, it's a work of art, so it could be all of them at once. Right. Right. You can interpret it however you. Yeah. I, I think I'm kind of partial to the second one, actually, um, giving because I, I like the idea of uh, of, you know, the the town giving the the dynamite family kind of just uh, they're, they're, they're thought of in high regard, I guess. Mm-hmm. I kind of I kind of like like that component. I think it, I think it rings true to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one the one that I would lean towards. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people like the nine tailed demon theory it it is pretty appealing and there is a lot of strong evidence supporting it um you know napoleon has a particular affinity to weapons in combat he seems to be following this chosen one narrative um Mm -hmm. and so thematically it does make a lot of sense um yeah yeah the only reason i don't go with it right away uh you know, are because of the similarities in the real life Bear Lake monster and Loch Ness monster and where Napoleon has which is, this... Which is brought up. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Napoleon has this obsession with these lake monster-like creatures and it's this, like, it's this latent subliminal desire to understand what happened to his parents that Napoleon is trying to mm-hmm. wrestle with throughout this whole movie. Um, and so that, to me, speaks on a deeper level. Sure, but, sure, sure. Yeah, let us know. Uh, tweet at us or post on the subreddit which which theory you're a fan of and what kind of evidence you're really sells it for you. Right. It's got to be. It's got to be one of those three. Not willing to. Not willing to even entertain another idea. Oh no, no, no! I'm I'm more than happy to entertain a a fourth theory. Perhaps there is a, a unifying theory, right? Perhaps there's something that fits Maybe. the puzzle pieces way better than what I've suggested or what I've sorry what I've read in the forums mm-hmm. about this okay but in the, in the forums i think that's a good point I, I that's a very you know very important uh thing to bring up in this uh in this episode i'm glad you did thank you for that um right we're yeah we're we just want to be you know thorough about the content <laughs> gotta be very thorough about the uh the napoleon dynamite universe i uncle okay uncle rico mm-hmm we're gonna i'm gonna put we're gonna put theories aside yeah let's just talk about the primary text of the film we don't need to go into the subtext of the theories yeah yeah um 
I was it a little heavy on under Uncle Rico? <laughs> like, like too like we got too much Uncle Rico. I thought that it was a little a little heavy on the Uncle Rico goes wants to go back to 1982 <laughs> because it's like this dude has been here for like three days. <laughs> And I've only seen him talk about this. Is this, like, just all he does? Like, and I get that that's the point of it, but it's a little its a little too much. It's a little heavy. I think that's my critique. Luke, I think so. But the part that I love about Uncle Rico that makes it fit for me is what is he doing with that video? I don't understand the point of making the video. I, like... Is he tr- is he sending that to NFL teams as a tryout video? That was my initial thought, but I don't know. Maybe it's just like he. Uh, that's just how he gets confidence. You know what I mean? I I have no idea. I have no no idea what what he's making the video for. He's, but when you when you think about the kind of a person that would make that video, it immediately makes sense to me mm-hmm. about about his whole deal with going back to 1982. Like, I don't need to know, I don't need any other character development to completely buy into the fact that he does desperately want to go back to 1982. And that is all he talks about because I saw him throw a football at a camera while wearing like a 1970s bell-bottom outfit in the middle of a grassy field for four hours. Like, yeah, I kind of buy that. I will say yeah, I will say it was it's... pretty heavy on the Uncle Rico, though. There was a lot of Uncle Rico. Well, I wanted a, a lot more there. Kip. <laughs> we were, yeah, definitely wanted more Kip. Heavy on Uncle Rico. Didn't love the like pedophile Uncle Rico scenes. God. Really didn't love those. Uh, those were tough. Uncle Rico made a pretty hard turn at the end of the movie from just like kind of lovable family jerk to complete asshole to like one of the worst guys of all time. I would I would agree. Um, <laughs> would it be going too far to wish be- that at the end he had died? I don't think so. I think that's reasonable. I don't think it's. F- I, don't I don't like that. I don't like that it turned out well for him. No, I don't like it either. I wish he had like gotten in a big fight with Rex Quando and like he died at the end. He got killed. <laughs> I think that I think that that would be completely reasonable. Or at least like uh, lost yeah, an arm, right? You know what? Yeah. You know what's what? I didn't write this down, but one a, a little detail that I love, uh, the scene after. After one of the things that he does to embarrass Napoleon Dynamite, I don't remember which one, Napoleon Dynamite like throws an orange or something at his car. And then he chases after Napoleon Dynamite. And Napoleon has another one. And it's like they have this little standoff. And Napoleon's throwing form is incredible. Love it. I know that's another tiny detail. But you just gotta you gotta love these. Yeah. Also, I should say it's a grapefruit. Uh, it's a grapefruit okay, that he point. throws and hits it and hits his van with. <laughs> you gotta question like where he's getting this stuff. <laughs> I love that he has two. Right? Did he bring that from home? 
or did he just like go buy two grapefruits with the intention of throwing it at Uncle Rico's car? I don't know. Because he like ambushes him. <laughs> so he, I, well, I actually, are they at, is he at school? I think he might be at school. He does hop. Which, which, which makes me think that he's at school and he just, he seizes the opportunity. And I don't know where he's getting the grapefruit from, but for some reason he has two of them at school and he takes advantage of, of seeing Uncle Rico. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. I will say my only other critique with the film, aside from it being a little Uncle Rico heavy, my only thing was that I didn't feel like the dialogue was super strong a lot of the time. Like 90% of the jokes, 90% of the, of the chuckles that I had were from not words that were being spoken and the words Mm -hmm. that did get me were like kip saying dang it like very very little of the lines in this movie had me laughing and i think i think that's part of the like iconic nature of the film right is a lot Mm -hmm. of the a lot of the lines people love i just didn't love a lot of the lines and so i feel like when i was younger and everybody was quoting the lines to me all the time i didn't really get it I wasn't really into it. Oh, okay. So, so, so you're saying that some of the lines that are that are typically thought of as like very funny, you don't really, you don't like as much as everyone else. No, I don't really so like. Your mom goes to college. Uh, give me your tots. That stuff. You're just like not as into. It. I'm not as into it, and and frankly, I, I think while the dialogue in the movie is like very unique, I wasn't ever like super. I didn't think it was ever super funny. Like, I thought it was just, like, mm-hmm. how these characters would talk. And, of course, they would talk this okay. way. But I wasn't like, mm, that's a very funny thing that they said. Okay, that's that's fair. I can see that. That's that's my only major critique of the film, was that, okay. you know, that perhaps there were some missed opportunities for some dialogue laughs from me. Okay, that's your major critique. I think, yeah, my major critique is Uncle Rico... I th- I don't think is quite as well as well a character defined as the other ones. Not it, it, the the thing is the other ones are so subtle, right? Like I've talked about these really subtle scenes. The Uncle Rico one is not, and I don't I don't love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me, okay, we're getting longer than we want to do, but I want to. I feel like we've got to talk about the dance scene, yeah. and to get to that, I'm gonna I'm gonna speed through some highlights. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, one love that he asks Summer to play tetherball and thinks that it's complete a completely reasonable request. It's very good. I didn't actually. I don't think I caught this the first time I watched it. That like Deb is actually like into him. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't. For some reason, I didn't catch it the first time. Um, I love how positive Kip is. If you go through and watch it, Kip is always so positive. With what everyone is saying, uh, and it's great. He's he's kind of a delight. Yeah, Kip is a hype man for sure, right? Kip is a hype man. Um, the the uh, the like prom scene. I know it's not prom; it's like a dance. I just think it's like a great scene. I don't know why. I just think it's shot really well. Uh, we're I'm, I'm moving fast through these. Mm-hmm. Got to. The, the like, the one guy that like is I I'm assuming dating Summer, mm-hmm. 
is like 45 years old. It is is like so funny what they make him do with his facial expressions. My favorite scene with him is when they're doing the happy hand skit. So before Napoleon does his skit with the dance, when Summer does her happy hands dance skit, and it's like zoomed in on him in the audience and he's just like so visually into whatever they're doing. And like, he's kind of like nudging people around him and like, oh, you see that? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just think that is hilarious. Like, I don't, who does that? What? This dude would have loved TikTok. Okay. Because who is this into these dances? It's also if you um, see his outfit at the dance, he's got like it's like all white and if you just look at where his pockets are located on his pants, it does look like he belongs in a as a member of a boy band. It looks like he belongs in NSYNC or something the way they have dressed him up. And I love how out of place it is in this small Idaho town with like everybody mm-hmm. else looks normal. Like it's like everybody in this little town looks normal except napoleon and his friends and summer and her friends like they both stand out for like the opposite reasons and it's Uh so good like i everybody else just kind of fades into the background except for these two groups that are just like fighting right (laughs) i think that's i think that's fair um let's see I, I also really love the, the little twist where, and okay, I watched it with my partner who had never seen this before. Whoa, for real? Yeah, for real. <sighs> and she did not know that LaFonda was real and really into Kip. And if you don't know that, it's so funny. The fact that Kip is not getting scammed and it has this, like, meets this woman that's like, they're actually like really good together is like is actually really funny. Uh, I feel like we all like know that that was happening, yeah, because it's kind of iconic. So it's like not really that big of a thing. But when you go into it with that perspective, it's hilarious. Oh man, it really makes you envy people who haven't seen it yet. It really makes you envy I know, people that's who haven't seen saying. it. I for sure agree with you. I didn't even realize that on this watch through. Yeah, yeah, we love it. Um. Okay, I, I'm i ready to talk about the dance scene, okay. if you are. Okay. The Napoleon's dance. The Napoleon's the... dance scene. First off, it is insane, inconscionable to me, that they find out you have to do a skit the second before he goes on for his speech. How no Is Napoleon a freshman at this school? <laughs> are, it's, it's insane. It is insane to me. It is, it is bonkers. And it makes, I would agree. It makes me think that maybe this is a little conspiracy theory. It makes me think they added it last minute and Ooh. told Summer about it, but didn't told Pedro and Napoleon because they wanted them to lose. This is the system trying to keep mm-hmm. somebody who's changing things up out of power. I think that's true. I think it's wild they didn't know it was going to happen. But I think the Napoleon dance scene was both very funny to me it really got me going and very impressive honestly this is the first time in the movie where i feel like napoleon 
may have sold himself short. Whereas everywhere else, he sells himself way, 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 way too far. Like, like all of the other skills he purports to have, not even close. Mm-hmm. But the dance that he puts on at the end of the movie, pretty freaking good. I was like objectively kind of impressed at some of these moves that he was that he was pulling off. And that yeah. made, that to me made it very funny because the yeah. whole movie he's like talking himself up and then he just like completely nails this dance at the end. This is this is another one where even okay. If you think about watching this movie for the first time right now and never having seen this. Because the thing is like even if you haven't seen this movie, you have seen the dance mm-hmm. or at least parts of it mm-hmm. right um and so you're probably like anticipating it if you have never seen this movie have never seen the dance have no no idea what's coming i i i don't know it that would have been like just so phenomenal it's gotta because, be mind-blowing because you you come in here thinking you have to assume that he's gonna be terrible he he absolutely crushes it and the great part about this also is that it's very long. <laughs> it's not just like he dances for 20 seconds. He does the entire song, which is long when you're watching it. <laughs> and he crushes it. <laughs> and he runs off. I I remember the scene and I know that it's iconic. I did not remember how great it was. I don't think. I don't know why I thought that it was so good again the second time. Because again, like I... You see the scene every time you're like trying to put a a, a gif in somewhere, and I I don't know why I was surprised that it was that I was so into it, but I thought it was great. Yeah, it's so. What did your partner know the dance was coming? You said she had never seen it before. Yes. Did she know that there was like a dance at the end that was dope? Y- yeah, I think so. Okay. Oof, man. Yeah, we got to hear from somebody who's never seen, never seen the dance. Ah. Because it's a it's if if you if you were someone that is watching this for the first time because of this podcast, uh, I I want to hear everything. Please, I want to hear everything. Please send us an email. DCBC at don't call it a book club. We will tell the people what long, what your experience it, was yeah. like. Give it to me in long form because I want to hear we, all of your thoughts. We want the details. We would love the details. Love the love the little inspirational Pedro's little smile here. He's he's so happy. Deb's proud. And then like we're this is gonna be a little bit deep here, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pedro's family, so proud of him. Mm-hmm. Because like, here's the thing. They probably just I, I I am assuming that they just moved here, right? They are Hispanic, clearly dealing with like some racism. Uh but then their son who is like pretty weird becomes the class president. I think that that's really moving and they're probably really into it. So the dance, like I don't like get very emotional in movies. A lot of the time, the dance in this movie brought up a lot of emotion because it was like, (laughs) it was like a huge win for just like gen genuineness Uh in that. Like summer seemed kind of fake. And I think she's presented as kind of like 
or maybe not fake, but maybe more like superficial and kind of like mean in like a mean spirited way some of the time. Whereas like Pedro and Napoleon are just purely like being themselves and they're just like, they don't really care. They're not mean to anybody necessarily, but they're not like actively looking out for anybody. I guess near the end, they start to like recognize other people being hurt by bullies and stuff. And so they they kind of just embrace their genuineness. And when everybody starts clapping when Napoleon runs off the stage, it's just like so touching because it's like the whole school <laughs> being like, hell yeah, you do you. It doesn't matter if it's like really good, even though that was very good, or like super polished. It's just like very genuine. You're doing this because you're loyal to your friend. It's clear that you didn't like really plan this out that much based on how it ended, but you still got up there and did it. Mm -hmm. It's very touching, mm -hmm. actually. It is. It really is. Oh. Man, this movie, the, the, the movie is good. The movie Dude, is the good. movie is so great. I feel like you can you tell me if I'm wrong about this. You came in here being like, yeah, the movie was pretty good. And then the more we talked about it, you were you were you were getting even more positive on this movie. So, Am I right about that? So I was actually pretty positive. I'm definitely more positive now after we've talked about it. I will say before I watched it, I was like, I'm gonna be dunking on Luke for this whole episode. Because I remember that movie as being, like, so lame. And everybody thought yeah. it was the funniest thing ever. And I was just, like, so not into it. But I, you know, I'm a convert. I'm a believer now. <laughs> I just, like, I I ended that movie and was like, I'm feeling a lot right now. I, I'm very happy to hear that. I did some quick, like, research on what other people thought about it. Like, no one has written about this in years, right? But I did. I, I, I listened to, like, parts of a couple, like, movie review podcasts just to, just to get the feel for what other people were thinking. And other people don't like this movie that much, I think. And um, I, as everyone can tell, I think it's phenomenal. Uh so that's my, that's my, that's, this is my little rebuttal to everyone criticizing it. If you're coming in here and you're like looking for movie reviews, we don't do it, but you're like, I want to hear some, some positive things about Napoleon Dynamite. Well, there you go. Because I have so many good things to say about this movie. And I, yeah, no, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it deserves a, a revisit. I think it definitely, what? there's some movies where when it first comes out, it's not very well received. But then when you look back later, you're like, oh, this was actually incredible. And people back then, it was just too ahead of its time. People back then just didn't get mm -hmm. it. And I think, I, I'm hoping we get that with this movie. I'm hoping maybe, maybe we'll be the start of the wave of people going back and rewatching Napoleon Dynamite and really appreciating the depth of this yeah. movie. I, I think that we will. I would love, I think I said something along this lines in, in my our intro the other day. I really want a, a really well-researched think piece about like whether or not this changed comedy or not. Because I, I, granted, I was really young when this came out, so I have no clue. But for some reason, I have always thought that it formed like it formed like a branch of comedy 
but I don't know if that's true. Mm-hmm. So I want, I want, I want a, a research paper on that. Listeners, listeners, give it to me. This is the part of the podcast where Luke expects the listeners to just give him what he wants. <laughs> I always do. I want it. I want. Uh, I want. Yeah, a big, a big essay on how today's internet culture derives directly from Napoleon Dynamite. On Luke's desk by Friday. I, I think there's something there. I think. Listen, is there a is there some kind of like culture PhD? Because I think this is your thesis if you're in that program. If you, <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah, I think culture PhD seems legit. Like not history, but like culture. I don't know. Like memer, like a memer PhD. It should like be there. Memeology. It's twenty. It's, it's twenty twenty. That's why not. Yeah, that's true. There should be. If you're getting your PhD in memes or memeology, <laughs> let us know how Napoleon Dynamite changed the world. Yeah, publish a paper on this, please. What a magnificent look into the past. Next week, we will be releasing two episodes. On Monday, we will release an episode debunking theories about winter steel from the Iteration 110 subreddit. On Thursday, we will release an episode covering the first half of Winter Steel by Will White.